Hello, and welcome to the NRPL Tech Team Podcast. Uh, my name is Mike Bradley. I am Public Services Librarian at North Riverside Library, and uh, I'm joined once again by the senior members of the North Riverside Library Tech Team, aka the original content creators, hey. aka <laughs> the Disco 2 since 1982, it is <laughs> Empress, Hello, and Sarah. Hey there. Well, it's good to be back here with you guys for episode number two. I want to apologize to the folks who heard episode number one. We had some audio troubles. Hopefully we've worked that out this time and we can proceed without any further incidents. Uh, how are you guys doing? Um, what is this, week four or week five of the quarantine? Everything can start to blend together. Like each day, it's just another day here. Another day in quarantine. <laughs> it is. It's 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 different. Is it starting to feel more normal, or or what would you say? I would say it's starting to be, you know, a little bit normal. You know, waking up whenever you want to, sleep schedule all over the place. You know, it's typical, but I can live with it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I've been like uh, like at ridiculous times and <laughs> staying <laughs> all night. Uh, <laughs> But in this day and age, honestly, with uh, everything broken down the way it is, there's no point at waking up at 7 a.m. There's no point. This is true. Um, I'm staying up. I'm staying up too late. I'm sleeping in too late. My wife is giving me a hard time. But it's like, what? What? What's the difference? Like, <laughs> what does it matter? This is just the yeah. It's returning to it. It's like returning to my natural state. <laughs> Um, unencumbered by, you know, the 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 nine to five schedule of the world, uh, we can all sort of, sort of just, sort of just do what we want. And I guess um, that that's a small positive to take out of this. Mm-hmm. It's going to be an adjustment uh, when when things return back to normal, whenever that is. Mm-hmm. It will be an adjustment. Yeah, it will. I, at least we're. I'm enjoying the like. Uh, warped circadian rhythm that I've got right now. Well, uh, I don't have too much uh, library news updates um, for this week. It's pretty much this. We're pretty much still where we were at a week ago. Um, we're we're going to be closed uh, throughout April at least. We are we're hopeful that we can do some kind of reopening in May, but um, we really don't know any specifics on that, and we don't really know what that's going to look like. I, I would anticipate that when we do reopen, it will probably be uh, in a limited kind of fashion. I don't know if that means there will be special hours. I don't know if that means we'll be limited to um, only allowing uh, people to pick things up outside or if there will be maybe limits on how many things people will be able to check out. Um, I really don't know. All of those things are still up in the air. Um, I think we're just, it's still just too far away to, to know exactly what's going to happen. But all I can say is, uh, like everyone else, we're hoping that sooner rather than later, we can get back to some kind of normalcy. Um, in the meantime, you can always uh, see what's happening by going to the library website, northriversidelibrary.org. 
Uh, you'll see any updates right there on the on the homepage, and you can also click on the special COVID-19 link on the left for uh, more updates specific to the situation. Um, so, you know, we're looking forward to seeing everybody again. Just don't know exactly when it's going to be, but I guess we're doing this for everybody's um, safety. What, what else? What else can we say? Yeah, that's true. I what, agree. What's important to keep in mind is that uh, we're all of us are working behind the scenes to, to keep everything. You keep you updated and to create content that um, keeps you connected to the library during this time. So uh, yes. you're not going to be without us, you know. That's, That's important. Yes. Stay tuned, uh, especially um, on our Facebook page. You should see some um, some exciting things coming down the line. And we're still available um, to, to help people out. Uh, if you or if someone you know um, needs help with um, a, a tech problem, feel free. Uh, send us an email, tech at northriversidelibrary.org. Um, and we'll get back to you as soon as we can. Um, or even if you're just having trouble logging into the online resources that we have, anything like that, please reach out. Uh, we'll be here for you. Um, so uh, I know we, 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 we started out on this briefly, but um, um, you guys doing anything new uh, during the quarantine to keep yourself, <laughs> keep yourself busy, keep yourself staying sane? I am. I took up watercolor painting. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> That's a great response. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, I had this little, like, um, craft store kit of watercolors that I never used. And my sister had a bunch of brushes and, um, like, actual watercolor paper. So I've been making little paintings in the evening to help unwind and, like, uh, really keep me zen. It's been a lot of fun. I'm not very good, but I, you know, it's nice to see yourself getting better at something. I don't no, for sure. That's true. It's cool. I can't wait to see you guys in person and show you my my painting. <laughs> <laughs> that's very that's that's exciting. I have, you know, I have not really taken up anything new. I will tell you one thing that I am doing, uh, that's the same but just way more so is is cooking. I yeah. am um I'm cooking and even though I'm not doing anything fancy at all, I'm enjoying taking like maximum time with uh with my cooking and just really like uh um just really enjoying the process that's um, true yeah and it doesn't matter if i'm even if i'm just making like eggs and bacon like i'm i'm like really taking my time with it trying to get it just right <laughs> <laughs> you know maybe that's just the way to kill time but um you know so uh, your- cooking more cooking time that's true that's good that's that's healthy for your mind too. <laughs> What's your favorite dish that you've made, Mike? Um, I did a pretty awesome cheeseburger the other day. Um, cool. With, yeah. Uh, uh, with you know, with 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 an egg on it, of course. Um, you know, and uh, I had like I had like half a bag of uh, potato chips still left in the stockpile. So, um, that's nothing high end, nothing fancy, but. Uh, but uh, it was a good time. Sounds good. That sounds really good. Well, as for me, 
I've been taking up knitting more often than you. Yes, knitting. Oh, no, I don't know how to crochet. (laughs) (laughs) I would love to learn how to crochet. But knitting is starting to be my thing now. Um, I'm working. It's harder than crochet. I think crocheting is harder than knitting, the way I've seen it. You know, I I mean, knitting, it, it does require two needles. Whereas, like, crochet, it's just one. But, like, when it comes to crocheting, what I've seen, it's like you got to know so many, like, knotting patterns. It's ridiculous. But um, knitting, it's it's really relaxing. Um, especially when you st- start to see, well, I have, like, a color, like, color-changing yarn. So you kind of see, like, different colors changing over time when you go so far. So it's kind of like, you know a stepping stone or a milestone for me each time I pass up a color and uh right now I'm just I'm doing like a scarf so hopefully it'll be done sometime soon <laughs> cool that's so awesome well it's fun this, this if nothing else this this whole situation gives everybody time to do a little little hobbying you know <laughs> <laughs> which is which is which is a fun thing um I think we'll do something this week. Uh, this is this is a new segment that we're going to call "Seen Anything Good," which is a tribute to our coworker Joe, who um, who asks everyone every day if they've seen anything good. Um, I, I thought we would uh, we could all maybe talk about something that we've seen on on the library app Hoopla um, that that we could talk about, and then maybe also talk about something we've seen just um, on on another online service. Um, we can make some recommendations and and we can talk about that. Who wants to go first? Why don't you go first, Mike? I'll go first. Okay. Um, my hoopla pick of the week is a movie called The Founder. Oh, um, <laughs> some of you may have heard me talk about this movie before. Uh, I believe this came out in uh, 2017. And uh, it is a story about Ray Kroc, who is the... Uh, the, the founder and the name, the founder of um, McDonald's Corporation, although um, the movie makes clear that he isn't really the founder. He's just more of a person who made it into what it became uh, later on. Um, Michael Keaton plays Ray Kroc. I think it's a great performance. I really enjoy this movie. I have a long history with uh, a weird kind of fascination with Ray Kroc. I actually, I actually read his autobiography um, which was called grinding it out, you know, grinding it out, get it like a hamburger. Um, and (laughs) it's a great title. Um, and what's really interesting to me is if you read, so you read the autobiography and it's, you know, his story about how he's this like self-made guy who just through nothing more than like pure hard work, like turned himself into this, you know, super successful businessman. He wasn't really particularly, uh, skilled in anything he was he was basically um, a traveling salesman and somebody who just did like odd jobs to get by including being a, a piano player at like illegal prohibition bars and stuff like that and then mm-hmm. he later um, became a little bit successful as a traveling salesman selling paper cups and then later milkshake machines which is how he um, which is how he ended up meeting the McDonald brothers and the original McDonald's and and convincing them to let him uh, franchise their operation out uh, and then turning it into the success that it is. And then 
you contrast this with the um, with the movie, which very much portrays him as this villain who took advantage of these poor guys who were just trying to run their their diner and um, like exploited them and then basically <laughs> cut them out of of his fortune. Um, so it's a wildly different perspective. Um, so I I think it's interesting to to compare those two things. So if if anybody out there has uh, just a whole bunch of time on their hands, not only watch this movie, but then read his book to get his side of the story. And it's um, a, a, a fun thing to, con- to compare the two um, perspectives. Um, have either of you seen this? Well, I haven't seen it, but I feel like I have. because <laughs> It sounds it. familiar. Um, it's also just fun to watch like all of the old school McDonald's stuff that happens in there. Like, mm-hmm. like how his whole, like his whole combo is like 35 cents and, you know, that kind of thing. Um, so it's fun if you're into like, uh, Americana, you know, um, that sort of thing. Um, if you like biographies, it's a good, it, it's a good movie. It's a good time. And so, then, um, who's it? Yeah. Who- who plays the the main guy in that? Oh, it's Michael Keaton. Yeah, Michael Keaton. Yes, oh. yes. Um, and he's really good. He does a really good job. Um, also, what the um, um, one of the McDonald brothers is um, is Nick Offerman, and that's fun. He does a good job there too. Like a whole lot of laughs that movie. <laughs> there's a couple there's a couple there's a couple of laughs um anyway i like it it's it's a it's what i call it it's a rewatchable you know i really like movies that um that that you can just put on over and over again and like watch the little details um it's it's good it's good for that so that's my pick the founder and then my pick for um for something uh not on hoopla but um you can find this one is on Netflix is the TV show Community. Um, does everybody remember this this show? This show was very big, like you know, seven, eight, nine years ago. Yeah, I remember um, that. It was good. It's funny. It's a funny show, and um, um, what I like about it, so I watched it back when it was back when it was on. But um, the thing about watching it back then was I, I think this was really like peak internet tv blogging time mm-hmm. when the show was mm-hmm. on and mm. for whatever reason um i feel like people who wrote about tv on the internet were obsessed with this show so um just every day was another article about oh, how great community is and how it totally is like a meta commentary on sitcoms while being a sitcom and there was just so much so many things about the creator of the show and how he was, um, you know, not being treated fairly by you know, the, the by NBC, and and then and then later on was was the creator of the show maybe like a problematic figure, and there was just like so much discussion that like watching the show and keeping up with that stuff was sort of exhausting, and it's been really refreshing mm-hmm. just to go back and watch the show when none of that's going on anymore, and just enjoying it for the funny show that it is. That's Does great. that make sense? Yeah. That's why I always tell you, uh, I think that reading all that stuff ruins the experience. 
Yeah, I think you you you're yeah. probably right about that. Um, I should have just ignored. But you know, we live in um, a, a take based economy, and there's a lot of takes out there. We definitely do. Is it like a, a bingeable show? Oh, it's definitely a bingeable show because because those those uh, like network sitcoms when you have no commercials, they only last like 20 minutes. So uh, you oh wow before you know it, you've watched two, three, four, um, and it's just it's just a fun. It's a fun show, especially when I don't have to read about, you know, what it means uh, every day. So, <laughs> so uh, if you haven't seen that one in a while, go back and check that out. That sounds pretty good. What about you two? Have you seen anything good? Oh, well, I for sure seen something good. <laughs> oh, do tell. On Hoopla, they, they're streaming... Uh, one of my favorite movies of all time, which is the 1997 Japanese animated psychological horror thriller film, Perfect Blue. Ooh. Have you guys seen this? That sounds juicy. Oh my God, it's so good. It basically uh, follows this girl named uh, Mima, who is a singer in a like pop group in Tokyo, um, but she fears that she's a victim of stalking. And all this stuff is popping up about her online. And it's in 1997, so, like, the online stuff is very primitive. So it makes it even a little more scary because they didn't really understand how people could be like, uh, oh, I can see into your bedroom and stuff like that. Um, But she thinks she's losing her mind and slowly starts to lose her grip on reality. This film Mm -hmm. is so good. It it influenced films like um, uh, the Aronofsky film. What's it called? Uh, with the drugs. You guys know what I'm talking about? Oh, um, uh, Requiem um, for a Dream? Requiem for a Dream, and the other one he did, Black Swan. Like, they're heavily influenced by this film. Oh. Um, and the art is just beautiful. It's, like, a really fast mind-bend thriller. It's great. I highly recommend. I really like it when, uh, I like it when movies have, like, when they when they deal with the internet, but it's, like, at an earlier time. Yeah, um, it's true. always it's always fun, and it's always like it's like super dated, like instantly. Mm-hmm. But um, but it, it's fun it's fun to go back and, and see how people thought about those things uh, at an earlier time. Oh, yeah. yeah and as an anime good. fan, um, mm-hmm. the early like the late '90s style is so just aesthetically pleasing. <laughs> even if you're like not paying attention to the plot at all it's just so beautiful to look at that sounds really yeah. good i'm gonna have to put that on my list now it's on hoopla it's on hoopla totally free okay um, yeah hoopla's got some good stuff they do that's true that's true I wow have... you sorry empress <laughs> no you're fine what were you saying um, I haven't been able to find this film on any other streaming service, really. Oh. It's oh. oh. So the fact that Hoopla has it is a big deal. It's impressive. Yeah. That sounds really good. That I'm going to have to really put that down in my list of things to watch. Because... You would love it. <sighs> you would really like it. <laughs> because my Hoopla recommendation, it is a rerun. <laughs> it's a television series and everybody knows this is like a household character like everybody knows and loves and it has been the meme of all memes since and it's Spongebob 
uh, season two. <laughs> I mean, like, I, I mean, if you really want that, like, early 2000s nostalgia, that good old laugh, like, sometimes, you know, when you watch things when you're younger, you don't really catch it. But when you're an adult, you're like, oh, my goodness, this is even more funnier because I can, like, relate to this. Um, also, like, being with kids, like almost all day it's like you need to have something that's you know entertaining for them as well so it's like okay you cannot go wrong with old school spongebob and um like everybody knows like everybody loves this guy and like you can come up with so many more new memes out of it if you are into that type of thing um but uh like if if you're into just going to rerun SpongeBob, they have that. Like I am a diehard SpongeBob fanatic, and um, rest in peace, you know the creator. Rest in peace. <laughs> but oh, um, took a sad turn. Yeah, it, it did. But then again, his work lives on forever. So, you know, it's 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 a it's a win. It's a win for for both you and as well if you have kids at home. And you want something for them, they have something, you know, PG and also, you know, just child related if you want to watch. I think you're a little too old to appreciate the genius that is SpongeBob, Mike. But I think so too. I think you're a little too old. Someone grew up with it is just beautifully surreal. You know, I'll be honest, I think I've only seen like one actual episode of SpongeBob. and I thought it was hilarious. It's not that I'm too old. It's just that, you know, because I didn't watch it, you know, I, I don't think to go back and watch it. So um, I think it probably holds up for 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 anybody who likes that that kind of uh, that kind of comedy. <laughs> <laughs> so I should probably go check it out. I mean, why not? And and like you said, it's very memeable. You can you could you can make memes out of pretty much just randomly pausing any any spongebob scene (laughs) (laughs) yes yes what better time is it to make memes than right now to be honest there's so many meme machines right now being used (laughs) what about things that uh do you have anything to recommend that you found somewhere else besides hoopla Mm -hmm. i got one oh okay just on the same like um, Japanese anime vein, on Hulu, they've got uh, they like redid all of the old '90s Sailor Moon episodes. Oh, I don't know if you guys are aware of this. I Sailor Moon was like my favorite thing as a kid. Um, and the original '90s like English dub that we had on like Cartoon Network when I was growing up. Um, has been heavily criticized for cutting out all the good stuff and like being really censored and and changing the genders of characters and just totally messing with it. But they went back and they redubbed and um, touched up the animation on all of the original Japanese mm-hmm. uh, 90s anime. So you can watch it in English. Um, and I've been like living my six-year-old fantasy rewatching all of it. It's so good. All right. Where did you say you found this? Uh, it's on Hulu. On Hulu, okay. On Hulu. Yeah. I, I, I'm i going to second the Hulu motion. <laughs> but <laughs> um, I have been into uh, docuseries. 
And the docuseries I've been binge watching is uh, 60 Days In. Uh, <laughs> it's very intense. Um, it's, I mean, if you don't know about it, it's just basically uh, about seven, seven or eight civilians just going into a, a, pretty, a predominantly violent or, heavy, or heavily um, saturated uh, county jail for 60 days straight um, and they just have to actually like identify to whatever said crime they have to do or they have done and actually blend in with the jail society and it's pretty intense um, both the male and female like you'll see the different like effects of how you know uh, the justice system both how does it treat both women and men and um also, you can get some insight on to, like, just jail life and see how people actually get through going on to, um, you know, their next day of their sentence. And also, you know, seeing how participants get through that, which is, you'll see a whole lot of changes with those partic- participants as well throughout the um, series. Does it follow them for 60 days? They follow them for 60 days. It's like the first, um, uh, was it the first season they were in Clark County, which is in um, Indiana. And the second uh, or third uh, series season is in Clark County, Atlanta, Georgia. So um, you'll get like two different, you know, feelings of how is like the difference between a northern uh county jail versus a southern county jail it's it's very it's very intense if you're into that type of thing (laughs) a lot of people are though those like uh jail prison docuseries always do really well they do and some people actually don't even last 60 days actually it's there i mean it's to the point, like, it's overwhelming for them. They're like, I can't even do it. I have to tap out. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. Yeah, my wife loves these prison shows, uh, and I don't think she's seen this one, so I'm going to have to tell her about it. She she can't get enough of, like, basically any prison show, so I'll, <laughs> I'll have to tell her about it. People really like watching them. I've never watched it before, but that sounds really interesting. Yes, and it's all on Hoopla. I'm not, not Hoopla, Hulu, excuse me, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm so sorry. It's on Hulu. And um, they have, I think, almost all of the seasons. They don't have the latest one, which is like 2018, 2019, I believe. But they pretty much have them all. Cool. Okay. Well, all right. Thanks, guys. We're going to put links to uh, all of these all of these things in the uh, in the show notes. So be sure to check those out after the episode. Um are you guys ready for a little Wikipedia club? Oh, born ready. <laughs> oh, this is my first time. Well, I'll kind of let me try to explain what we're what we're what we're doing here. So, uh, the Wikipedia club is something we've been talking about for a little while. Um, a lot of you, as the people who know me, know that I don't read a lot of books, but I do read a lot of Wikipedia. So we thought it would be fun to um, to to pass around some of our some of the Wikipedia articles we've been reading recently and talk about uh, what was interesting and what we, what we learned from each other's picks. So this is our first installment and um, I'm looking forward to this. I think it'll be a lot of fun. 
Um, who wants to go first? Sarah, you can take this away. Let me take this one. Yeah, go ahead. Well, my article that I found is about one of my favorite things, which is space. Um, there's a lot of crazy stuff happening in space that we don't even know about. One of them being the article that I linked you guys to this week, uh, the hexagon on the poles of Saturn. Uh, so am I supposed to like explain the article? How are we going to do it? <laughs> <laughs> well, just, just tell us, just tell us like in your own words, like what, what this is and why, and, and why you, why you found this interesting. Okay. 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 So, uh, Saturn's hexagon is a, a cloud pattern on the North pole of Saturn. Um, as and it's a vortex as well um, that's been going on for since we've been able to take pictures of Saturn. I think the first time, according to the article, uh, we we found it was like in 1981, uh, 1981, yeah, a Voyager mission. Um, and it's we can't really explain why there's this like perfect hexagon in clouds on the pole of Saturn. Um if you really, if you look at the pictures in the media article, they're so fascinating. Like, at one point in 2012 or 2013, the hexagon changed colors. It went from like a minty blue to a gold color. Um, no one knows why. Wow. It uh, was crazy, Sarah. That's I, pretty. I, you sent you sent this out and I was completely freaked out by this thing. It's literally a hexagon like spinning around on 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 this on this planet and no one can explain that's why. That's so bizarre. That was the uh, the 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 craziest thing to me was the part where you know you go reading it like oh well what what caused this let's figure this out and and it's like here's the hypotheses that people have for why this is here no one knows for sure <laughs> that's what's um, why this this is, this is here that no really one pretty. one can explain it um a lot of people the first time i heard about the saturn hexagon was um on a reddit page <laughs> <laughs> where people were talking about like proof of alien life or intelligent life in our solar system. Um, and they pointed to this, this sort of like mathematically perfect hexagon um, that changes color. That's also a vortex that no one can explain. Now, I don't necessarily believe in aliens, but I think that there's so much crazy stuff happening in our <laughs> space. That's just so fascinating. That's true. It, it's, 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 Completely bizarre. I'm very weirded out by it. I think we need to study this. As soon as they get this whole coronavirus thing figured out, then this is the next thing that they need to figure out. They need to put all the resources into why there's a hexagon on Saturn uh, that we can't explain. Because this thing is it's, wild. It's perfectly on the North Pole and not on the Southern Pole. That Isn't is that true. Weird? That's it was like pretty like I seen some of the pictures. I was like, oh my gosh, this is like perfect. Like it's it's just gorgeous to see that. And it's like Mike like Mike said, like nobody knows. Nobody has anything to to say about it. It's just there. <laughs> well, yeah. thanks. Thanks for sharing that there. That was that was um 
a very interesting one indeed. Oh, you're very welcome. I love That's reading cool. articles about space. So if we continue this, like, Wikipedia club, you guys will be reading more. (laughs) (laughs) That is is fun. All right, Empress, you want to go next or you want me to go? You can go ahead. (laughs) Okay, okay, so my pick was the city of Norilsk in in northern Russia, um, which um, I have been kind of fascinated with for a little while. Um, It is... um, um, it's like basically the the furthest north sort of large city in the world, um, and um, I have always been like drawn to uh, anything that's kind of like on the extreme end of something. So um, if I'm looking at like uh, a map, I, I always look at the things that are like on the edges of it. Um, uh, so when you see things like here's like the largest big city in the world. Uh, or the, the furthest north big city in the world, of course, I'm immediately fascinated by that. Um, it's a really bizarre landscape um, that's, that, that a lot of it is built not on, um, not on like solid ground, but like built on the ice, basically. Um, it also is, is completely dominated by, um, by a mining company. The, the, they mine uh, nickel in this, in this town. And the mining company basically runs the town. Um, it's also incredibly polluted, um, where it's just basically toxic to just breathe the air there. Um, but what's um, what's what's kind of fascinating about this is that if you read more about the city, there's like a lot of people who live there like year round, and they're like proud of they're like you know they found a way to get by there, and they're they're proud of their city. Um, it has really unique like architecture if you saw the pictures of the buildings they're like um, these buildings in these you know kind of unusual colors um and i don't know i just i just i just find it like crazy like that there's this there's this there's this city there and that there's people people live there it looks like it's just a city unlike any any anything else in the world um what did you guys think the craziest history did you read into this it began at the Gulag labor camp. It. I was just mesmerized about the uh, the nickel situation. It it was pretty cool, like the smelting. <laughs> it was it, and then like people were proud of it. Like, hey, we're from here. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> you know, this is our town. We're we're gonna own up to it. So, eh, sure, kudos to them. Yes, I actually I, I learned about this town um, when um, basically because I like basketball it is an unusual connection because um, about um, oh maybe ten years ago um, if you uh, if you watch the NBA the uh, the Brooklyn Nets team got purchased by a Russian billionaire mm-hmm. um, if you remember that and he was he was he was the guy behind this nickel company. Um, in this in this town, um, that was like how he made his money was like auctioning this nickel company, um, and then he bought he bought an NBA team, and then he later sold the NBA team. He doesn't own it anymore, but that was how I first heard of this town, and I've just always had a weird interest in it <laughs> since then. <laughs> I don't know. I was like really fascinated in this Wikipedia article about this town's history. It like 
I don't know if you guys looked into that, but there was an, an article that was uh, linked at the bottom of the page that was talking about a 1953 um, prison uprising because it started as a gulag prison camp, this town. And the prisoners basically organized a nonviolent uprising and um, freed themselves. You guys have to read the rest of this article. Oh, like, I don't wow. think I, I, don't, I don't. I don't think I clicked that link. You know. That's I, what I'm saying. That's the first <laughs> thing I looked at. They they held a 69 day strike. All right. Uh-huh. And basically, uh-huh. like liberated themselves. <laughs> this is a much cooler town than you thought. Well, and I do like to click the links, and we, that's half the fun of Wikipedia is just following link after link and just going deeper into the the Wikipedia rabbit hole. Um, yeah, this one definitely cool. had like a lot of rabbit hole potential. This, this I missed. I missed that one. All right. Well, thanks for checking this out, guys. What, what about you, Empress? Let's talk about yours. Oh, wow. yours was crazy. Let me just say. Crazy Empress. Like <laughs> you win the award for uh weirdest, craziest article this oh, no. I mean, this was my first time, guys, doing this. So I was like, <laughs> okay, you know, Wikipedia. I mean, it's not that I haven't used the site. It's just I mean, I never really like looked into the links just for fun. So um when I saw when I heard about the 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 new stolen um painting that's around I was like ah I wonder what Wikipedia has to say about this so I don't know if everybody heard about this but the the painting by Van Gogh the Parsonage Garden at Newton I hope I'm pronouncing that right it's um it's Dutch and um also it's named the Parsonage Garden at Newton in spring or the spring garden so um, it was created in May 1884, and while you know uh, Van Gogh, he was still living with his parents at the time, and he was also making like other varieties of uh, the springtime garden. So this is just one piece of a collection, um, but um, the Parsonage Garden at Newton—that's the one that like notified as the like the serious one but um the reason why uh it's really like a big thing is because it was stolen on March 30th 2020 which was like uh a big thing because of the COVID-19 situation and now the exhibition uh, it, uh exhibition uh museum at the Sanner Lauren Museum, they can't do anything about it because they're closed. And um, also what really kind of tripped me out was about like Van Gogh, like majority of his pieces were stolen, but this was the one that they cannot find at all. So I'm like, oh my goodness, this is this is pretty cool. Like the last time I've heard of a stolen piece was like Mona Lisa. And that was like a while back. So uh, this is this one kind of you know perked my ears a, a lot more because it's it's recent like art theft so I don't know I tried. <laughs> <laughs> Not that I'm a proponent of theft, but what a great time to steal a painting. I know, right? <laughs> like they can't do anything about it. Everything's closed, <laughs> and I wonder like 
like on the black market how much it's gonna cost <laughs> I read a book a, a while ago um that kind of went into it was a fiction book but it, it kind of went into what happens when famous paintings are stolen is the goldfinch by Donna Tart. Mm-hmm. um and they've got a whole like it's a really serious crime and uh they've got a whole uh network of people that they they uh, so if you try to sell a famous painting on the black market it's very easy to trace that and like catch you so you've got to sell it in a different way you um you can't just like put it up for auction or anything like that even underground you've got to figure out a way to like sell it really? under the table yeah because they they everyone's look, gonna be looking for this painting I don't know now that um because of the COVID-19 thing if it'll just make it easier to to put it up for auction but who's going to an auction right now that's also true but then too like we do like the uh what is it the the sales online is on a rise now so well, it's probably like a dark web sort of thing got to be our deep web or something because you cannot use a regular uh browser with this you can you have to use a tour or something he's dealing with this you know like you said you can trace like who doesn't know van gogh's work <laughs> well that's but, the thing right is like you you steal one of these paintings it's not like you can go you know, you, 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 you can't just sell that. Like you can't display that. Um, it's like, uh, there's probably like, what, there's probably like five rich people in the world who are buying up all these stolen paintings, just competing with each other. Yeah. Um, it's I not agree. like, it's not like you can do anything with, 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 a, with one of these stolen paintings, except to just know that you have it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> That was the, the 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 craziest part of this for me was the link. At, there's like a link at the very end that's just a Wikipedia list of stolen paintings. People are stealing paintings like hotcakes. Yes, that's a thing. That's a major thing in the art world, stealing artwork, especially paintings. It, oh, man. Like the Mona Lisa, um, it has like a six-foot glass, and it's only like three feet worth of art, I believe. <laughs> I'm like, wow. <laughs> so you know what's crazy though? Like if they don't find this painting, it could probably be destroyed forever. <gasps> that is true. It needs to be kept in certain conditions and uh I mean it's not a very old painting either, but still like we could probably never see it again. It'll be gone. That's true. Yeah. It's a very un, 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 unexpected side effect of the COVID-19 situation. This Wikipedia wow. article, speaking of that, um, had a link in it to uh, like the effect of the 2019-2020 COVID-19 outbreak on art and culture. And um, I read the whole article, and there was this really interesting section on how libraries, a.k.a. us, have been impacted um, and what they're doing to sort of like, uh, pre- you know, to, to prevent people from, to, to prevent like losing art and culture and to prevent people from not having access mm-hmm. to these things. So the Library of National Congress in Argentina, Argentina announced that it would record and share recordings by prominent and local authors for the public to like uh, keep these works in circulation in a different way. 
I thought that was so interesting. Yeah, pretty cool. Yeah, sorry to like bring the conversation to a screeching halt. <laughs> no, that was, was I was like the, the way that we're <laughs> all. That is great. That's great stuff. It's very, very relevant. Very relevant in this time. <laughs> I don't know. It was a good article. There's a lot. There's a lot in it. It was fascinating. Because at first, when you're reading the Wikipedia article, I hadn't heard of this um, theft, and you're just like reading about this painting. It's like super interesting. Van Gogh painted it. He's a very fascinating figure. And then you get to the fact that like this was stolen like two weeks ago. <laughs> it was quite a shock. Yeah, it was a, it was a surprise turn. Well, uh, uh, thanks guys for indulging the Wikipedia Club. Uh, I'm sure we'll do this again sometime soon. So much fun. Um, I'll put links to um, these Wikipedia articles will be linked in the uh, in the show notes as well. Um, I know that uh, before we wrap up uh, this episode, I know that uh, Sarah, you wanted to talk about um, a, a tech story that was making the rounds. Yeah, so um, I saw this on one of our favorite websites at the North Riverside Library, The Verge. (laughs) (laughs) That um, Apple and Google are building a coronavirus tracking system into iOS and Android. And when I read that headline, I was like, whoa, this feels so dystopian to me. It does feel a a little dystopian. It seems like uh, it's, uh, I I guess, one of the things that um, that they're doing in uh, South Korea, which seems to have got a pretty good handle on the coronavirus there, was using like cell phone data to to help um, um, see where the virus was spreading. And and so I guess this is um, a similar attempt from the way I understand understand this they're 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 basically just they're they're trying to put the feature into the phones so that so that like a public health agency could make an app that would be able to use that data um, Mm -hmm. to find out like who's been close to someone else so that then they could notify people if they were around a confirmed uh, you know coronavirus uh the person who, who had the coronavirus um so could you imagine it's a, it's a it's a it's a very you know com- complicated um issue because i feel like you know the the big the big tech companies you know apple and google and um uh-huh. amazon and facebook and uh, they've been you know they've been under a lot of fire lately um people are always unhappy with 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 what they're doing i know then this this current like election cycle been a huge issue of like what are we going to do about these big tech companies do we need to regulate them more do we need to break them up are they abusing their power um and i think right now they're like trying to look for ways that they can be helpful in in this situation maybe try to turn their public image around and so they announce something like this and people immediately jump to like the privacy implications the tracking surveillance um issues um so it's it's tough. I know that they're they they're trying to do something helpful and yet people are worried like will this will this be something else that gets abused? Um it is very dystopian, like you said. It's very dystopian walking down the street and then getting uh I mean maybe not for this this outbreak because it's like very real to us. But imagine just in the future, if we have this sort of technology, walking down the street 
and then getting a notification on your phone that's like you've been exposed to something how much panic that would like I don't I don't I just don't know I I don't trust it I feel like it's not a good look um this is the beginning <laughs> just, it, it feels too much like I'm living in the future and uh it freaks me out a little bit yeah it's like it's yeah. like one of those uh, it's one of those things where it, it definitely feels like the future but not not in the way that you were hoping <laughs> not like fun hoverboards no. and like uh you know not a back to the future sort of 1980s idea <laughs> 20 would be like oh but just scary just a little bit too scary for me it just felt dystopian it felt like something i'd read in a novel instead of on a news website true they are saying That's they right. are saying at least for now that that this is that, that this sort of system which they're just working on it hasn't been you know it hasn't been released yet but it would be an opt-in uh it would be an opt-in system where you would have to you would have to download like an app to give permission to do this, um, or in the future they might put it in the settings of the phones themselves. But you would still have to opt into that in your settings to be tracked in that kind of way. So that's better, I guess. I I think there's gonna be a flaw though because what if there are I mean there are some phones that cannot you know have that type of app because of you know, if they have like an older model phone or they just can't really understand um, how to download it or how to work with the features you know things of that nature so th- I mean there there's gonna be some flaws within that too uh, also some people don't own a phone <laughs> that's right that's <laughs> so those people I mean, cannot be tracked <laughs> they're gonna be off grid so i mean i just don't know i don't i mean i i like that 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 so many people from so many different you know um types of industries are are trying are are all trying to figure out any any way they can to to help out in the situation it's just yeah these there's a lot of implications here so yeah. it's something to keep an eye on for sure okay so i guess i guess that's um that's that's all the topics we have for this week thanks again to empress and sarah for joining the tech team podcast um uh, this this show is now for right now it's only available um, through the Anchor app but um, keep checking your Google Podcast your Apple Podcasts your Spotify it should be showing up uh, shortly within within hopefully the next week you'll start seeing it on all the other platforms make it easier to download and um, yeah look for look for us again next week um, so thanks guys and we'll see you next time thanks thanks so much guys. Take care, be safe.